Everybody has to have an alter ego, right? And, and I've been thinking about what my alter ego would be, and I, I, I think I have an alter ego. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. His name, his name's Mr. 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 Unlimited. Yeah, you gotta be unlimited. You, know, you gotta have a thought process of being unlimited. On ESPN Las Vegas. Mike Ramallah says he prefers... I don't know if he's talking about the bread or the raisins, but he prefers something covered in chocolate. Probably everything. Yeah. Is my guess. <laughs> we have 11 votes on our poll that I just put up. 90% say no. Oh, so somebody said yeah. Was that Mike Ramallah that voted yes? Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking he was the only one. <laughs> okay, a, a couple more updates. First off, uh, I find this a little weird. The Las Vegas Aces just wished Bill Lambeer happy birthday on Twitter. Well, they're going to honor him. Isn't he? I oh, mean, it's they're gonna have a Bill Lambeer night. Yes, tonight. Saw, no, because they're on the road tonight. I don't know when the oh. date is, but um, they sent out a release the other day. They're honoring Bill Lambeer with a special ceremony. I forgot the game. I'll look it up. But um, yeah, they're honoring oh. him at a at a game. Good for Bill Lambeer. Yeah. All right. We um, should we should try to get him on. Also, he's on he's on a tractor and yes, uh, I was uh, live Michigan. from live from his tractor. You think you get service on the tractor? That's the whole point of having a farm and a tractor is you don't have your phone. Um, <laughs> we do have another update here from Christopher, who is our uh, become our brown, bird, brown bread expert. He says you can get canned bread on Amazon, and if you spend $25 or more, it can be delivered between 4 and 8 a.m. tomorrow. This is crazy because Carp <laughs> sent me the same link. <laughs> And it's the exact Steve Carp sent Steve Carp sent me the same one. It's the exact bread that Gramala had, the B and M brown bread original, the ninety nine percent fat free. There can't be more than one company that makes this, right? Well, there can't I mean, be Steve, that much demand. That's true because Steve. Had, I don't know if it's probably the same company. Steve had uh, some with raisin in it. So um, brown bread. I wonder if it comes white. The whiter the bread, the sooner you're dead. I don't know if uh, my my. Uh, uh, statement there would uh, uh, be cause for concern there with the canned bread if it was white bread. But yeah, here's Amazon. You can get it by tomorrow. Good job, Steve. I feel like a loaf of white bread is healthier for you than canned brown bread. Oh, that's a great... Yeah. Would, well, you start getting the preservatives and trans fats, but I, I just... I'm looking at this B&M <laughs> brown bread, and it, when you open it up, it looks more like um, like pinto beans. <laughs> Like you, you know, you you put the beans in the uh, in the in the uh, microwave and you you put them on your uh, tacos and your burritos. It doesn't it just doesn't look like bread. Pinto beans. It looks more like beans when you open up a can of beans and you got to put I, it in the microwave. I mean, people of Boston do love their baked beans. <laughs> that's 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 give, gives a little the taste there. Wow, do you, in Boston well, you can find anything on Amazon. My do people? God. In New England, think they have to eat as terribly as people from real England? Like, what is this canned bread and baked beans? That sounds horrific, I like mean, a horrific meal. <laughs> I mean, they haven't really. There are so much. many issues with Boston that, like, the crappy cuisine is not, like, not even breaking the top 10 of, like, what's wrong with Boston. Don't they have good seafood there? Why are we eating beans and bread out of a can? Go get go get a, a lobster from the ocean, right? Can't they do that? Well, here's the thing about it. it Mike Carmelo said 50 years ago, don't you mature a little and like 30 years later say this isn't working. We're going to go with the bread in the uh, in the bags here, like everybody else. Why do you keep this around? I don't know. 
Apparently B&M I mean, has enough, they yes. have enough customers to yes. keep it going. Unbelievable with this like canned bread. This is, they can't, it looks like meatloaf. Yeah, it does look it like, it looks like slices of meatloaf. That's a good call. Yeah. All right. There can't be another company that makes this. I, I don't believe no, it. All right. I mean, we, we no. asked our, our first bite this morning. <laughs> Press box. <laughs> Press was, box transition. transition was not about canned bread. Uh, it was. I would love the first bite to start being about like canned bread and just nonsense. Was Bill Foley the one that fired Pete DeBoer? Um, Vico says he fired too. Uh, Michael says he did say he was going to be more hands on and probably hated how Pete handled both number one goalies. Um. I do uh, the whole flurry thing. It still fascinates me from the the Bill Foley standpoint because part of the big deal with the Bill Foley standpoint is that he he had the quote where he came out and said like uh, Flurry's going to retire a Golden Knight and then they trade him away and so that makes you you know look bad as an owner when you say something and then the opposite comes true. I guess mm, technically yeah. Flurry could still retire yeah, a one day Knight. contract, <laughs> but like that you know. I have to. I wonder what Bill Foley thinks when he thinks of Mark Andre Fleury now. Like, does he look at that and say that was a completely necessary move? We had to do it, and has no regrets. Or does he look at it and say, "Wow, we screwed that one up. People got really mad, and I blame blank for that." Like, I just I, I don't know exactly. I wonder how he. You think he views it that way? I think he I, views it that way. We screwed that up. I think that he views. Well, I don't think he th- th- thinks he screwed it up. I think because well, he wanted no, to probably obviously. keep him. Um, but, but I think he saw the organization did. Yeah, if he views it that way, does he? Did, did he put the blame on Pete DeBoer for that? Because I feel like that's a front office blame thing, right? The sword said DeBoer. That's true, but still, DeBoer well, didn't trade for. If Leonard. you believe what everything everyone said was that Pete picked, uh, he he liked Robin and you know over Flurry. But obviously, look. How obviously, did that work out for Pete? Yeah, obviously McCrimmon did too. They wouldn't have moved him if those guys didn't agree with it. So right, I don't like, know who I don't the, know who fully blames the whole here, that season. Mark Andre Fleury had like two or three months where he he was very bad, like one of the worst goalies in hockey. And the Golden Knights at the trade deadline said our goalie's not very good, and they went and traded for Robin Leonard. And then COVID happened like right after that. We didn't, and then there was the bubble, and DeBoer picked Leonard in the bubble. And I it, I don't know. It still is. It still doesn't jump out to me as like Pete DeBoer did anything wrong. He had two potential number one goalies and he picked one i yeah. guess flurry can be mad that he didn't get picked but like if you were if you were reviewing it and trying to figure out what went wrong with the goaltending situation and mark andre flurry it's not picking leonard to be the starter in the bubble it's it's trading for leonard in the first place isn't it in terms of what went wrong yeah like if you're trying to assign like you're you want to you regret trading away mark andre flurry the bigger problem is that you traded for Leonard, not that Leonard won the job in the bubble. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, if I guess that's the main issue is that they you did it in the first place. Right. Because, again, Leonard was playing very well that year, and, and we had the bubble and everything stopped, and then it was like, hey, come back, play four random games to decide the top four seeds. Like, it was a very weird scenario, but I don't feel like you can actually be mad at DeBoer for picking Leonard. And here's the other part. The very next year, they split the season, and yeah. Flurry ended up starting way more because Leonard had the concussion and missed like two months. But like they split the goaltending duties, and 
Flurry won the Vezina. Like yeah. he, he won the job the next year. And then guess what? The front office trade. I just, I don't know. Unless there's something about DeBoer walking in and being like, Leonard's my guy. You better get rid of Flurry. I just feel like that's more about the trades than it is deciding yeah. who the goalie is. You don't think they'd ever kind of bring him back, do you? Oh, he's a free agent. The Minnesota Wild general I don't know manager. if he'd come back, but. Oh, so the, the Wilds GM said that they want to keep Cam Talbot and Marc-Andre Fleury. So first off, from the Wild perspective, Talbot is 35 and is going to make $3.7 million next season. Fleury is 38. So that seems stupid to sign yourself up for two 35-plus goalies that's going to cost you seven-plus million between the two of them. That just sounds stupid if you're the Minnesota Wild. Keep Talbot and go find a younger goalie instead of two guys that are old. But, man, how how would Vegas make it work to bring Marc-Andre Fleury back? Uh, Robin Leonard would have to be out for a long time. Well, they'd have to trade him, right? I mean, like, to, but could they even move him at this point? We've yeah, talked about that before. True. Could they even move him at this point? What would you have to do? You'd have to give something with him to even move the guy. If anyone Let's, would take him at this point with the shoulder and the salary, the contract? Let's play the hypothetical that they were able to move Robin Leonard. That even even if they had to give up a pick, but they they were able to trade Robin Leonard, his five million dollar cap hit's gone. Would Flurry would would they be would Flurry be willing to come back to this organization with McPhee and McCrimmon still there, or is DeBoer being gone? And like if he truly like the name on the sword was DeBoer, if he truly blames it on DeBoer, DeBoer's gone. He could come back, right? I don't think the two people that you mentioned would have him back. Oh, you don't think the Golden Knights would? I don't think. Back. Well, now again, again, I say that, and Bill Foley's going to have uh, some say in things. So <sighs> if, if he got, oh, what if, if that's he, his adjustment? What that's if his, his adjustment thing. is to overrule McPhee and oh. McCrimmon on Flurry? Man, be kind of funny, incredible. actually. <laughs> it would be incredible. <laughs> be kind of incredible. Yes. If he did that and it got out that the other two said <laughs> we don't want him, we don't want this guy, we don't want to deal with the agent. Now I know they don't want to deal with the agent. Hello, Pacioretty. Uh, yeah, poor Max Pacioretty. <laughs> poor Max Pacioretty. Who, who's, who, who's that guy the agent of? Because we tried to figure out who they were going to move, you know, to get under the cap, just to look into who, who Alan Walsh is the agent of. So, yeah, you better watch out here, buddy. They they probably tried to trade Pacioretty instead of Dodonoff, but Alan Walsh actually did his job and was like, hey, we got to no movement right, clause exactly. here. Right, exactly. You got 10 you teams. You him. can't trade him to these 10 teams. <laughs> Whoever of Kenny Dodonoff's agent's like, yeah, no, uh, they're trading you to Anaheim. <laughs> what do you mean you don't want to go to Anaheim? <laughs> What do you mean? You have a no-trade clause? What? Dodonov's agent had no idea what was going on. So I would, man, here's here's, here's what I want to see. All right, here's my uh, plan or what I would like to see. The Golden Knights find a way to trade Leonard, and they bring back Marc-Andre Fleury, and then he loses the job and loses the battle to Logan Thompson. To Logan Thompson? And he's the backup to a guy in his second year with well, 18 career starts. I mean, at that point, we know uh, Allen would be really happy. Oh. So, could you, Thompson on the on the blade this time? Would it be Thompson or would it be like Trotz, Trotz or whoever Trotz. the hell they end up hiring? <laughs> what if it was Trotz? <laughs> Barry Trotz like, why did I take this job? <laughs> the hell's wrong with these people? I've got swords in the back now? <laughs> It'd be great. Or it would be... That's what I that's what I kind of would love to see. They bring back Flurry, everybody's excited, he's back, and then oh yeah, Logan Thompson actually is this good and keeps the job and Flurry's like a sixteen oh. game a year backup because Logan Thompson's unbelievable and like twenty three years old. You have a really like good that. attitude from Marc Andre Flurry at that point. That that's the other thing with Flurry. Like 
he gets like the great reputation of being like this great teammate or great guy. Like, how much blame does he deserve for that whole sword in the back tweet and blowing up well, an entire I'll tell you what, situation? He didn't really answer the question when he was asked directly about it. I was in the room. Yeah. But how much did you know about this? Didn't you have to okay this? And if you didn't okay this, how mad are you at your agent? Yeah, well, it's one the of the whole, two there, right? It's one of the two. Well, you either proved it or you should be pissed at your agent for doing this. I think the key detail in the the sword in the back tweet was that it Flurry didn't send it, and Flurry can reasonably deny that he never made it or said to send it or whatever. But that tweet was up for like twenty hours. Yep. And if Marc Andre Flurry was truly mad or upset about that, it would have been down in two out, minutes. Right. It would have been gone right. immediately. And it was not. It was it did get deleted eventually, but it took almost an entire twenty-four hours. So that is at least some level of uh acceptance for yes. Marc Andre Fleury. And so there is a level there of like, oh, that's not really a great teammate thing to do, yeah. despite how great the reputation is for him. He, like he He has that reputation, but I get the sense and I don't think this is wrong. That reputation does a lot for him when he's playing and he's the guy. Yes. Uh, yes. I just, there's just there's something there that when he's not the guy or he gets beat out or whatever, that uh, a little of that stuff, if not a lot of that stuff, goes away. Like, did he tweet anything about Cam Talbot? Or did Alan Walsh tweet no, anything about Cam Talbot? I don't, think he, I don't okay. think he did. That's right. I asked Supposedly you that. Supposedly that lesson he, has been learned. He he blocked me, and I asked you that. And he, you told me he was tweeting about some guy in the minors or yeah. something like yeah. that instead. So. Alan Walsh has slowed down with the swords in the back. That's not quite as important. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. I never realized baseball had so much butt touching. Bischoff's Briefs. That's how they communicate. Bischoff's Briefs. Like Braille, but with butts. Bischoff's Briefs. Read my butt! I think we might be done with the canned bread talk. Got some UNLV basketball. Uh, by the way, officially, UNLV has extended Lindy LaRock through the 2026-2027 season. I know Sam Gordon had reported that uh, at some point last month, but it is now official from UNLV that Lenny the Rock did sign an extension coming off UNLV's first NCAA tournament appearance in about two decades, I think it was. Uh, so Lenny the Rock sticking around UNLV uh, at least for another year until we'll see if she gets any better job offers next offseason if she has a really good season. But Bischoff's Briefs today is taking a look at some stories Mike Kramala wrote. He gave a projection for UNLV's starting five, which is always exciting in the middle of May. His projected starting five, Keyshawn Gilbert, Elijah Harkless, Elijah Parquet, Luis Rodriguez, and David Mawaka. That would be three incoming transfers starting. Uh, David Mawaka back, a backup from last year, and Keyshawn Gilbert starting at point guard. Looking at the potential for who starts here, Elijah Harkless, I think, is, is pretty much the only guarantee uh, given that he was a useful, a very good player at Oklahoma, even though his offensive efficiency isn't great, he's very good defensively and has scored at a decent level at the Division One level. So he's the guarantee. The rest of it kind of depends on exactly what Kevin Kruger wants to do. Luis Rodriguez is the guy coming, transferring in from Ole Miss. He's potentially a really good defensive forward. 
David Mawaka starting at center is interesting because you have three guys to play at center. David Mawaka's one, Victor Ewalker's one, both from last year's team, or Isaiah Cottrell. Isaiah Cottrell's the transfer in from West Virginia. I feel like I'd be surprised if Isaiah Cottrell transferred in from West Virginia and did not beat out Mawaka or Victor Ewalker for the starting center position. Simply because Mawaka and Ewalker are not, like, they're both solid defensively, but they don't give you anything on the offensive end. And I feel like Isaiah Cottrell has some more upside to do that. But the interesting one to me was Keyshawn Gilbert in the starting lineup. Because Mike also had a story on Keyshawn Gilbert where Keyshawn said, I wanted a bigger role the whole season, looking back at last year. I was never satisfied. I didn't really get the role I wanted. He played 14 minutes a game. 2.6 points per game was the backup to Jordan McCabe. Jordan McCabe's still around. Jordan McCabe didn't leave. So if Keyshawn Gilbert is the starting point guard next year, that will have mean he beat out Jordan McCabe for that spot. And this is where I'm, I'm not sure this happens. I think if you're a UNLV fan, you want this to happen because Keyshawn Gilbert has a lot more upside than Jordan McCabe. Keyshawn Gilbert's already a phenomenal defender. But the problem I have and where you'd love to see Keyshawn Gilbert get a lot better is I don't know that you can really trust him offensively to be a plus. He was a massive negative on the offensive end last year, right? He wasn't a shooter. He took 25 threes last year, which isn't a lot, made 28% of them. He had the second highest turnover rate in the Mountain West. And a lot of his turnovers were unforced turnovers. It wasn't like, oh, great defensive play. He just dribbled the ball off his foot, threw the ball out of bounds. And that, I think, is where the big question comes in is, do you really trust Keyshawn Gilbert to be your point guard for 30 minutes a night, which is effectively what you'd be doing if he's in the starting lineup? And I don't know that we've seen enough offensively out of him to really trust that. If he takes a big step on that end, if he's a decent three-point shooter, if he cuts the turnovers down to where he's an average turnover guy in the Mountain West instead of being one of the worst, then yeah, it might be worth it. But as of now, he's a big plus on the defensive end, but was a massive negative on the offensive end. And I don't think that can be your 30, 35 minute a night point guard if you can't trust him on the offensive end. Well, I mean, I don't, I I totally agree with that was the one that surprised me. Has McCabe gotten exponentially worse? Because if he hasn't, then I would think he's the starter point guard. Yeah, and I would think so too. And, And the thing with Jordan McCabe as your starter point guard, it's fine. But I think you would want to do better than that because McCabe but I don't was know if a. Keyshawn is that right? And that I think is is the big question because he already is defensively right. If you had to, hey, we need one defensive possession. Which one do you want out there? It's Keyshawn yes. Gilbert. But on the offensive end, he wasn't good enough. So that to me is where the big problem comes in. If he takes that step, right? If the turnovers get cut down and he shoots pretty well from three. Keyshawn Gilbert showed some ability to get into the paint that there's a, there's probably enough there that you can say, okay, just be average on offense and your defense will carry you. That's good enough to be better than McCabe, but I don't know if he'll be there. The other part of this roster projection from Mike Ramallah is we talked about it with him earlier in the show is Jackie Johnson, the kid coming in from Duquesne who scored like nine points a game, but was only playing 18 minutes a game. So that's like a really good point per minute uh, output right there. Uh, Better than anybody on UNLV's team last year, except Bryce Hamilton. He's fascinating to me because I I think there's a chance he's the most important player on the roster next year. 
because this is a team that doesn't really have a proven efficient number one score. Elijah Harkless is probably going to assume the role of number one score, but he has not been efficient in four years of college basketball. And if he doesn't take a big step, UNLV is probably going to have a really inefficient offense. And then outside of Harkless, nobody else on this team has like a legitimate scoring background at the college level. Everybody else is like, oh, he averaged six a game, four a game, two a game. Like you're looking at a lot of guys who have not scored very much on this team. Jackie Johnson is the guy that's going to hunt his shot. Jackie Johnson is the guy that's going to get his shot off. He might be the most important guy because they're going to need a number one and number two score next year to develop among guys that have not been that in their careers. And he might have the most upside to do so. But one of the key points that Mike Ramallah made is he doesn't fit the defensive mold that the rest of this roster does. And there's a chance that he's bad enough defensively that Kevin Kruger decides, well, I can't play him because he's so bad defensively. And if that turns out to be true, I don't know where UNLV is getting their scoring from next year. But I think Jackie Johnson might be one of the most important players on this team. And it doesn't mean he has to start. He can come off the bench and play 28 minutes. But it might be he might be the most important player because they're going to need scoring. And he's the one that fits the mold better than maybe everybody else as to who can go get their own shot. That's something they're missing desperately with Bryce Hamilton gone. He might be the guy to do it. I thought we were getting Bryce Hamilton a Texas A&M style uh, NIL deal. Because... Nobody listened to me. Well, there's still time. Nobody listened to me. I don't know what they're doing. Where's the NIL deal? Bryce Hamilton's coming back. I don't know. It needs to happen. Where's this life wallet guy from Miami? Who's the life wallet of UNLV? Handing out four hundred thousand dollars <laughs> yeah. to kids. Where you at, Boyd? Yeah, let's make it happen. That'd be a big deal there. So Raiders. There's my there's my uh look at UNLV's roster on May nineteenth and how Jackie Johnson could be the could guy be the that guy doesn't Jackie play it Johnson all. might be the guy that does it all and brings him to the NCAA tournament. Mm. Or be the guy who plays two minutes a game because he can't play defense. <laughs> One of the two are going to be the <laughs> one of the two. I mean, yes. so when you were listing off that guy scores two, two a game, that guy scores four a game, that guy scores six a game. I'm like, well, I mean, if you win every game, like 25 to 20, maybe their defense is yeah. just going to be that good. Hold that right. out. You never know. It, it is the funny thing. Like UNLV's defense might be whatever. Maybe it's the best in the Mountain West, second best, right? Like it should be really good. But like. Even if this defense is like tenth best in the entire country, oh, I'm be... still I'm still saying I don't know that they go to the NCAA tournament because the offense probably isn't top 100 right now. The, dude, if they're top 10 in the country or top 20 in the country, they're gonna be brutal to watch. Well, not if Jackie Johnson's really good. <laughs> oh, oh, oh Mister Mister Positive we're Tyler Bishop. Put a lot on this Jackie here. Johnson kid. If this kid's great, they can be a great defense and have one bad defensive player, and he can just score thirty a night, and they win thirty yeah. to twenty. <laughs> he scores all the points. Right. It'll be and doesn't Jackie score that Johnson many, led great. the Rebels in points. He scored all of them. Yes. <laughs> Coming up next, Jr. Starkus joins the show. Ready for the weekend? Let's find out what's on tap. We can provide you with a wine tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you drink. It's Thirsty Thursday with J.R. Starkus. Who needs a drink? So we drink and we drink and we drink. Follow on Twitter at J.R. Starkus. Instagram, J.R. Makes Drinks. What's on tap every Thursday here on ESPN. Uh, so I've got to ask you 
Extreme Exologist, Southern Glaciers Wine Spirits, Nevada. How could I forget? Um, <laughs> could you make Micromala came on earlier? Don't know if you know, but he talked about in yeah. New England there called canned bread, where the bread yeah. comes in a can. It looks like a spongy. Yeah. Um, Tyler said it looked like meatloaf. I think that was the best uh, comparison. I said maybe like beans uh, when you first open up the can of beans, the pinto beans. Could you make a drink with canned bread that actually tastes good? With canned bread? Um, well, yes, the, I well, oh, could. you could make it with canned bread in it? Well, well yeah, what I, I would probably, well, see, I've never had canned bread, so oh. I'd, have to, I'd have to play with it a little bit to see what it's like. But what I, the first thing I imagine is I would probably take, like, the bread and, like, soak it into water and help it to dissolve and make some sort of, like, a syrup or some sort of infusion out of it. Um, and to make a drink with canned bread, yes, I, I, I could do that. My plan is I've never, to make I've never the had bread canned disappear. bread, so I have no idea what it tastes like. So it would be a, I'd have to, I'd have to goof around with it a little bit. Oh, I'm glad your plan is to make the bread dissolve, and that's how you're <laughs> going to use it. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Like, if it's Gramala's eating it, how good could it be? And oh. if Gramala's eating it, does it actually dissolve? I don't know. So. You're probably no right. It doesn't. It doesn't even dissolve in your stomach. It just sits there forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, and when they do an X-ray later on in life, like, what's this thing? And you're like, oh, canned bread. Okay. Uh, what's the strangest thing you've ever used as a garnish? Uh, strangest thing I've ever used as a garnish is a chicken foot. Um, oh. I used it. I used it in a in a drink for um, in an Asian themed clientele Bloody Mary variation and. Um, I use a chicken foot because it's very that 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 type. That's kind of a, a very popular uh, dish in in Asian culture, and so I used it as one of my garnishes in a Bloody Mary, and it actually made uh, national news. I, I don't remember if it was ABC or NBC or what it was, but uh, national news. It made uh, this is a few years ago, uh, probably probably about five years ago when I did that. So that was pretty cool. Wow, that's that's amazing. A chicken foot. Yeah, chicken foot. Yeah, it's just. You know, garnishes and in, in, in Bloody Marys are, are like a salad, if you will. And um, you can kind of, anything goes. And so we were theming this particular one out uh, to an Asian clientele or an Asian theme. So, um, you know, I, I took a, a Bloody Mary that you would typically enjoy. And I added like, you know, different, different things, a little bit of um, like um, sesame oil to it and whatnot to give it kind of an Asian flair and actually came out really, really great. Uh, chicken feet aren't for everybody in a drink, but some people nah, really appreciate it, be. that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> not for everybody. Not for everybody. We have to get to this. The kid at the Las Vegas ballpark went yard twice yesterday. Yeah, he uh, he had a great game yesterday. The he Las Vegas for ballpark. Four. Wow. Yeah, the first the first one was like, uh, you know, left left center, close to center field. So it's like 380 in that, in that gap there. Um, so that was the first one straight up the middle there. And then the second one. Uh, they brought in another pitcher to pitch to him. It was a, like a sidearm kid, um, and the ball just came right in. He kept his hands in nice and put that one over the left field wall. He's out there hitting City National Arena where the Golden Knights are out there practicing some days. Yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, put one off the roof and make them, make them think about it for a little bit. No, he's <laughs> the, te- the, te- the team's having a really good run right now. It's, it's, it's fun to watch the bats are coming alive. You know, there's, they have a couple games today. If they win two today, then they, they can go to the championship on Saturday. So, um, you know, they just at this point, everybody's got to win. Everybody's got to win out, uh, except for the team that's sitting there waiting for everybody. So, um, you know, I told JT, I said, why not you? Why not your teammates? And so uh, they're, they're, they're playing some good team baseball right now, and it's nice to see them all coming together. So, um, yeah, it was, it was fun to watch yesterday. So anytime, 
anytime your kid, anybody's kid does well, especially when it's your kid, it's, 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 it's a blast to watch. Um, and, and, you know, you're so proud of all of the hard work that they, they put in. And I'm very proud of the hard work that JT puts in. And to see success on that stage with all of those people watching um, in that ballpark, I mean, you're not, you, you know, you, that's not a, a cheap home run there. It's 340 to the left and 380 and 415 to center. So you're, you're not, uh, you're not, you know, popping one out there. So it's, uh, it was fun to watch yesterday. Great game. Did, did he pitch as well? He did, yes. He uh, pitched for four innings, I think, and gave up uh, one earned run. Look at this. Oh, Tani Starkis over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the boys won yesterday 9-2, to two, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a really good win. The boys. Why are you talking to us? This is a big week yeah. for you. Yeah, it's huge. Do well, they let you I mean, bring your I, scaffolding into the Las Vegas ballpark? <laughs> You have uh, I don't need it. I, they have a nice seat at Las Vegas ballpark. They would not let me bring my computer in. I was trying to get some computer work done yesterday, and they're like, sorry, oh, sorry sir, oh. you can't bring that in. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So um, I was I was frantically working on the phone while I was trying to catch the game at do, the same time. Do we need to get Jim Jim press pass? <laughs> yeah, you can yeah, be up in the press please. box. Yes, please. They absolutely. got Wi-Fi up there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That'd be perfect. And it's, a little, it's probably cooler in, uh, in about a month. I don't know about that. Well, you're gonna you're gonna cool things off for sure for us with the uh, little twist on mojito today, right? No, that was a yeah. transition. Press box. That was transition. a great transition. Yes. Press box. <laughs> uh, yeah. Transition. Yeah, I wanted to do something. You know, often, you know, when when people make drinks or when people who make drinks for a living are, are creating a beverage, like if people are like, oh, how did you come up with that? And you're like, I really didn't come up with anything. I just took the rest. I took a recipe that already exists and I tweaked it. And that's what we do all the time, right? Nothing, not, for the most part, nothing that any bartender does is, is, is unique, right? Um, there are some that are really unique and a little bit out there, you know, but they are working, we are all working off of base formulas that were, you know, um, that have been established for years and years and years. And we're just taking those recipes and putting new things into them, tweaking them, adding a little bit of this, subtracting a little bit of that, creating something new, but working off of a base uh, of a drink. So, you know, the, the, Mojito cocktail, as most people love it, would be rum, lime juice, simple syrup, club soda, and mint. Simple, simple drink. Um, and, and, you know, taking that drink and tweaking it a couple different ways. Like, for instance, if you uh, took the rum out, added tequila, took the mint out and the club soda out, it's margarita, right? It's just moving things around. So what I wanted to do is take that mojito, and there are a lot of people that, you know, you know, may, may, you may like mojitos or you may not like mojitos. You may not like rum or whatever the case is. So I wanted to do a variation of it with, with vodka. Um, so I wanted to use the Grey Goose Essences basil or, excuse me, watermelon and basil vodka. Um, and I wanted to use that because as, you know, I was walking through the grocery store the other day thinking about what I wanted to make for you today. Um, the, there's, you know, watermelons are everywhere now and they're becoming, they're starting to become really great tasting. For the last few months, they've been just blah because they're not in season. Now they're starting to come into season a little bit better. And so the, the, the fruit is, is just delicious, right? And so what I did is I bought a watermelon and I bought some mint. And to make this drink, you're going to take a glass, a rocks glass, or a glass that holds somewhere about 14 ounces. Take some fresh watermelon that are, call it one or three-quarter inch cubes, and muddle five to six pieces of watermelon. You can add as much watermelon as you want, really. It's up to you. And then five to six mint leaves, same thing. Uh, add as much or as little as you want just to kind of give it the flavor. Put it in the bottom of the glass, but you don't need to muddle too long. Just trying to express some of the oils from the from mint and break up 
and start the juicing, if you will, of the watermelon. After you do that, you can add ice in the glass. Um, I add it to about three-quarters of the way at top because this is going to be a built drink. And if you add all the way to the top sometimes when you add your alcohol, the, some of the ice will help alcohol kind of splash out of the glass. And so in order to avoid that, fill the glass about three-quarters of the way with ice. We'll add more ice later. So add two ounces now of our Grey Goose essences, um, watermelon and basil vodka, and then add an additional three-quarter ounces of St. Germain. Now, I'm not using simple syrup in this drink. I'm using St. Germain as my sweetening agent and the Grey Goose essences as my substitute for rum. Okay, uh, Because St. Germain is a liqueur but not as sweet as simple syrup, um, I either need to add a little more St. Germain or a little less acidity. So instead of balancing out with an equal part of acid in lime juice as I would in a mojito, I'm only going to add an additional half of an ounce of lime juice here. So I'm adding that as well on top of this drink. Now, at this point, I can add a little more ice because as I've been taking the time to make this drink, the ice is kind of starting to dilute things and, and, and fall into the glass a little bit more. So I can top the glass with ice, and then I'll top the drink. For me, I use Fever Treat Aromatic Tonic Water. So if you like a vodka tonic-style drink, this drink will work well for you. But if you're like, I don't like tonic, then this drink will also work if you top it with club soda like you would in a mojito, 7-Up. Uh, or even like ginger ale or ginger beer or something like that, it will all work. The recipe, just the flavor just changes, but the comp composition of it, um, it, it remains the same. So if you don't like tonic, top it with 7-Up, and you'll have a little bit sweeter of a version. If when you taste it, you say, well, it's good, it's a little too sweet, add a little more acid. Just adjust it because you're tweaking with more sugar and whatnot. But that's it. That's the drink. It's a really great and refreshing way. I think vodka tonics and gin and tonics, are really refreshing when it's hot outside. It's a very cooling beverage. So that's why I chose to use the aromatic tonic water from Fever Tree. But uh, this drink has the, all the flavors of watermelon and basil and mint um, and, and all the things that you can kind of think of when it's nice and warm outside. Sipping it by the pool. Heck yeah, brother. Heck yeah. Sipping it by the pool. <laughs> or go. at the ballpark. Oh, no, well. no, <laughs> no chicken foot to garnish it? <laughs> No chicken foot in this drink. If you'd like me to make a drink with chicken feet, I will do that for you. And uh, I would like to have you both. Maybe we'll have Gramalo stare at it and see what that does. <laughs> not, not until you can come back in studio. Yeah. That's... All right. Uh, before we let you go, have you made a drink with raisins before? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, uh, I've done it a couple different ways. Um, in, in the, in the wintertime, the classic Puerto Rican drink called the Coquito. Um, I use raisins in my coquito when I infuse the rum that I that I use with a little bit of raisin, um, which is really nice. But I, yeah, you can, I've used raisins in drinks before for sure. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, but not chocolate covered raisins; those don't count. Uh, no, not these were regular raisins, but chocolate covered raisins would also be good. But you could use chocolate covered raisins in like a great like chocolate martini or espresso martini or something like that. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm just going to start throwing random foods at you every Thursday and see what you can do with them. Okay. It's, it's impressive. Yeah, He's J.R. Starkus, <laughs> Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. J.R., as always, be Thank you, buddy. It. Good luck uh, the rest of the week with the kid. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks. it very much. Talk to you next week. Noted food, chicken feet. <laughs> yeah, of course. So you're telling me his kid over here is throwing four innings, giving up one run, and hitting two home Boom. runs in the yeah. same game? Two bombs at the Las Vegas ballpark, too. What, what are one here? dead center. What? Yeah. Why are we talking to Jr.? I know. <laughs> We're talking to Be the wrong Starkus the here. Sun on. <laughs> because the sun doesn't know how to mix a cocktail. <laughs> well, it's thirsty Thursdays. <laughs> the, the sun isn't insane is probably the problem. <laughs>
All right, we've got tickets to give away. We do. Yes, look at that. If you want to go see Pussifier, the external reconning, reconning tour, they're coming to Las Vegas June 9th at Reynolds Hall at the Smith Center. So we got a pair of tickets to go see Pussifier. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number four. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to Eli. He won tickets to go see Pussifier. Um, it's a fun name to say. Uh, yeah, it's a dangerous name to say. Nope, all good. I, I actually looked it up yesterday when we gave tickets away to know how to pronounce it. Nailed it. Um, Mark Stone, according to the Golden Knights, underwent successful lumbar disectomy. Oh. I don't know what that means, but that sounds like a really significant detail. They actually gave about an injury in a surgery. Can you imagine that? What's changing over there? Maybe maybe this is what Bill Foley says he's going to change. <laughs> now, listen, I don't want to hear any number about damn upper and body lowers. You give these guys some information. You give these guys and gals some information. I like these guys. You might not. You might not want to talk to them in old press conferences, but darn it, we're going to give these guys information. Can you imagine the Golden Knights this whole time haven't been giving Bill Foley injury updates? They just say day upper to day, body. upper day body. Day. And he's just like, why won't you tell me? They're like, because we can't trust you, Bill. Uh, trust you you Bill will Lee. be on a podcast tomorrow telling everybody what the exact <laughs> exactly. injury is. We need Bill to do the press conferences. Uh, lumbar disectomy is a surgery to fix a disc in the lower back. Okay. So right. disc injury right. in the lower back him. is apparently Hopefully what Mark Stone okay. had. Uh, the key detail, though, despite them giving a significant detail on the actual surgery, the key detail, though, from the Golden Knights is that Stone is expected to be ready to play for the regular season, okay. uh, which is obviously what the Golden Knights need. Uh, they don't they don't need Mark Stone missing more games. They need him to play as many as possible uh, and be good as well. So there's your legit a legitimate injury update. To- I, this doesn't happen, right? No. They have not had another person go I mean, through surgery. They, you know, we knew it was the back, but I thought they were going to stop at that. But to give him, give it the exact uh, yeah. name of the surgery, there's someone, there's someone new over there. It might be someone new over there, like releasing this information, who's been fired five minutes. ago. I was going to say, did somebody just get fired? <laughs> hey, look at me! I'm giving these guys everything they want. Uh, Kelly needs to see you. <laughs> so, there's your Mark Stone update on the day. Um, he he's gonna be fine, right? He's coming yeah, back. Yeah, it like seems Mark like Stone. everything's good. Went yeah, day. Okay. 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 The, you know he had a good doctor. <laughs> I I'm just I'm reading. They named the doctor in the they, yeah they yeah, even said no, the yeah, doctor's yeah. name. Robert Watkins at Cedars Sinai Marina Del Rey Hospital. Yeah. I mean, they're telling you everything. Hey, my cousin works at Cedars Sinai. Really? Uh. Room 542 if you want to send flowers. No, I'm just kidding um, about that. Don't send flowers to room 542 at Cedar sinai A series of tubes which are inserted into the lower back to provide a corridor of sorts to allow the surgeon to access the offending disc. Okay. No, it's successful. Yeah, thank God it was successful because the more I'm reading about this, the more I'm like, they're inserting what now? <laughs> Sounds fine to me, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you've heard the details about Jack Eichel Thin tubes are placed over the central guide wire, gradually widening the tube. You've heard Darren come on this show and describe the Jack Eichel surgery, haven't you? 
Yeah, but it's... Cut the front of the neck, move everything to the side, and go fix the backbone? Oh, okay, okay. How much right, time I mean, do we have left? I'm shaking. It's too much, apparently. <laughs> you got to get back on the canned bread talk so we stop talking about surgery. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, uh, should I update the poll? Yeah, give us an update on Mike. This was Mike Romala eating raisins. Has at Mike Romala ever had a raisin? 85.2% of people say no. And really? we have confirmed he has. Yes. So wait, that, that means more than one person is eating a raisin? Or says he's eating a raisin? Um, yeah, 14.8% yes. percent of voters wow. say that he is eating a raisin. We confirmed That's... he did. It just yeah, it's well, covered we, in chocolate. Yeah, we, we confirmed he did. <laughs> so but who's voting yes for Mike Ramala getting more street cred than I thought for his Street diet cred on he's raisins? He's eating a raisin. Listen, it doesn't take much for him to improve his street cred. Yo, he's an OG. His, his most adventurous meal was canned bread. Which apparently actually is kind of adventurous because none of us have had it, huh? Is that is that a good thing that Mike Ramallah's eaten something that none of us have ever had before? Uh, not when you consider what it is, no. Does the list of things Mike Ramallah has eaten that none of us have ever had end at canned bread? Or do you think there's something else he's had that we haven't? Oh, there's got to be something he's had that we haven't. The man eats potatoes out of, uh, out of cans and bread out of cans. There's got to be something else in there that... No one would have eaten it except him. But I've had potatoes out of a can, so like I, I, I feel like it might that might be the only food bread out of a can had that none of us have ever had before. That might had be the before only one. we didn't know it existed. Well, that that's true. There might be something else we've never even thought of before.